Pastor Xavier Reese makes this observation regarding a wavering walk of faith. The walk of faith is characterized by dedicated obedience. Jesus said it simply like this, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. The word deny means lose sight of yourself. The biggest problem in my life is I don't lose sight of myself. I'm always in the way. I am the problem. I am the obstacle. The Jordan is not the obstacle. I am the obstacle. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. What happens when your bank account runs out? What happens when the doctor tells you your cancer is no longer in remission? Well, it's often in those difficult situations that God fills the lives of those who seek Him with the hope that can only come through practicing extraordinary faith. Today, as he continues his study in the book of Joshua, Pastor Xavier brings us the simple truth about walking by faith. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 through 13, and the message is entitled, Faith Alone Can Cross the Jordan. God had told Joshua already, as you know, in chapter 1, that he had given him the land as an inheritance and he would divide it up in chapter 1, verse 6. God had also told Joshua that in three days they would cross the Jordan. It marked the end of the wilderness life of wandering aimlessly, seeing nothing but death. That's all they saw in the wilderness. Everybody from 20 years all on upward died, except for Joshua and Caleb. It marked the beginning of the promised life now, of being led by God to experience rest, abundance, and life. There's the contrast. And between the two is the Jordan. But take note that Joshua was the leader. They've been used to Moses. They're looking to him. Notice in verse 3, the officers gave the people their marching orders. The signal would be when the people saw the Levites and the priests bearing the ark. It was their duty. Then the people would set out to follow the ark. They would continue to follow in orderly manner, breaking camp according to their tribes. What they had done for 38 years would not be broken here, but they would no longer see the cloud or the pillar of fire to lead them. The ark now would be the evidence of the presence of God. Joshua was the appointed leader by God, as you know. And Joshua here communicates to the priests the commands of God, not his own The commands of God. They were to take up the ark, verse 6 says, cross over the Jordan before the people. He was to tell them now, listen, to step into the Jordan when they came to the edge of the water of the Jordan and stand in the Jordan. Now, I don't think they thought themselves too privileged at this point. I think that they were a little apprehensive. Joshua, are you sure? (laughs) Flood season. Doesn't sound too logical, rational to me. No. But God said go. They as leaders were to be the first examples of faith. You see? Very important. They would not cross until all the people cross. Joshua chapter 3 verse 17 and chapter 4 verse 10 and 11 says this. The priests go first. Foot in. Part of the Jordan. They go in the middle of the Jordan. They stand there. And everybody goes through. They're the last ones out. They're the first one to act in faith, and they're the last ones to come out of faith. Wow, that's good. Who? Leaders. Our military generals don't lead the battles. 
in the American armies and marines and anything. The Israeli officers do. Their commanders go first. Maybe explains why they're better soldiers. Interesting. Leaders first. The priests were the mediator between God and man. The life of sight was over. The wilderness journey. God had parted the Red Sea and then they crossed the Red Sea. The life of faith was now beginning. God would not part the Jordan until after they stepped into the flood and then they could cross. It's a whole different life now. One has estimated that there were probably 2,000 people per minute going across. For a million people, that would be a little bit over eight hours. Stop and think about it. The two spies have come back from Jericho. Rahab has made the covenant. They know they're coming across. They're looking over Jericho. It's the strongest city. It's the first stronghold. And they're seeing this multitude of people. And on the other side, and they're nervous. And all of a sudden, they begin the march. And all of a sudden, they see these priests with an ark. And all of a sudden, they see the Jordan part. Wall of water. And here comes the caravan. 2,000 per minute. Jericho's getting nervous. God said he would put the fear in them, didn't he? Hmm. Speaking to University of Glasgow in 1896, David Livingston said, Would you like me to tell you what supported me through all the years of exile among a people whose language I could not understand and whose attitude towards me was always uncertain and often hostile? It was this, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the world. On these words, I staked everything and they never failed me. These words will never fail you for what God has called you to be and to do. You're very personal. God will direct and guide your life. Each pastor and leader will be called to be an example of faith. But it's according to God has called you. This is very important. God called a friend of mine from being a policeman years ago. To be a pastor of Calvary Chapel. And in the event, God called them into a ministry of Sudan. And God opened these doors and called them and gave them the faith sufficient. And he has gone in and they get dropped off. Teams get dropped off in the Sudan where Christians are being killed. There's a war going on. And they drop them off and they go in to minister to these people. Buying back women and children. Because they steal them. Kidnap them. And so the Christians buy back their children and their wives in the Sudan. That's what God called him to do. And then God will bring people alongside and give them the faith to be part of it. And if we can come alongside and we can kind of partner together sometimes, fine. But I only want to do what God calls us to do. You understand? Dan Frimfrock was here about a month ago or so. He's a pastor that God called to the Philippines. And he gave the inducted Bible study throughout their knee. And God used him tremendously to open doors. Like Gary Kuzunoki. He opened doors to the presidents, to diplomats, everything else. Only God can do that. So it's very important that you do only what God calls you to do. Don't let people pressure you into doing things. Don't just go along with things. You go to prayer. You go to God. You let Him guide you. 
God will call one person to do one thing. Let's say you step out to buy a building, make a ridiculous offer. And God honors it. God takes care of it because God's in it. He takes care of the financing. He pays the building off. And then he'll call somebody else to serve him for 50 years without a building. Now the tendency is, oh, well, that guy doesn't have enough faith. Well, I think, you know, God gets the glory both ways. You understand? Romans 12, 3 says, For I say, though through the grace given to me, to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one the measure of faith, God will give to you the faith for what he calls you to do. Step out and do it. And don't do more. And don't do less. To devote yourself to the written word of God by faith. To be doers. To devote yourself to the particular call that God calls you in faith. Whatever it may be. Listen to Second Corinthians ten twelve, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, listen, are not wise. Some of you will be used in a greater way than I ever will. The Lord bless you. But don't lay what God has called you to do on somebody else. You do what God has called you and God will work the church out. Hmm. The walk of faith is characterized by devoted leaders. Very important. And notice thirdly, verse 9 through 13, the walk of faith is characterized by dedicated obedience. It always boils down to this, doesn't it? <laughs> verse 9, Joshua summoned the people to communicate the words of God. Listen to him. Come here. And hear the word of the Lord your God. The word of God. The invitation was to all. Come hear and hear. No one's excluded. If you're a Christian, God wants to speak to you. You need to hear the word of God. He wants to direct and guide you. The words they were to hear were Yahweh Elohim's. The covenant God. The creator. Your God. Your God. Personal. The important lays here on the fact that God was in control, not Joshua. Thank God for God's leaders and pastors who are faithful and devoted, but get your eyes on the Lord, not on the person. One of the greatest affirmations to my call took place three years ago when I got hit on my Harley. And I was absent from the pulpit for four and a half months. It was the greatest confirmation that God was in this ministry, not because of a man, but in spite of a man. As the church flourished and grew. That was amazing. It was a good confirmation. Gave me the greatest second win of my life. These commands were not Joshua's, but God's. And the command is personal to each person. Each person must hear the voice of God by faith. Otherwise, they will only hear the voice of a man and be able to justify their disobedience. Hear the voice of God. If you're coming to hear a man, you're going to walk empty. You're going to walk out the same way you came in. Look at verse 10. Joshua then called the people to trust God in their faith. So not only to hear the words of God by faith, but he called the people to trust God in faith. The statement of Joshua 
to the fact that he's the living God was in reference to the fact that he was the living God among them. There's the key. Living in contrast to the dead idols of the pagans. They had eyes they couldn't see. They had feet they couldn't walk. They had hands they couldn't handle. They had ears they couldn't hear. So the people became like their gods, insensate, spiritually blind, deaf, crippled. God is the living God. All the gods of the pagans really fall in the three categories of gods. The God of the intellect, the Baals. Today we worship the mind. You really believe God wrote that Bible? Come on! You really believe Jesus came and he's coming again in a white horse, right? Right out of the sky. Yep. God of the intellect. I can't believe none I can't see, understand, or rationalize. I feel sorry for you then. Don't turn on a light. Do you know how the electricity comes? Does it come around the wire, through the wire? Does it come from the generator to the plug or back, the plug backwards? How does it come? What happens when you turn the key in your car? Do you understand the whole thing? Then don't turn the key. You're contradicting yourself. The God of power, mammon. People love power. They want to rule with power. They want to abuse power. Those gods are still worshipped today. And the God of pleasure. Molech, Ashtoreth, fornication, pornography, new living, party hardy, same thing. Basic three gods. And they bring death. The living God would drive out notice from before them all the inhabitants of the promised land. And they are named specifically, seven by name. The Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites, and all otherites. And... These were ungodly and rebellious nations and people who had corrupted the ways of God. And they were nations who had rejected God. God told Abraham, I cannot give you the land until the abominations of the Amorites has fully come. God gave a certain amount of time for them to repent. They did not repent. The years was up. Judgment was coming. They were not innocent. They had plenty of time. And they went and crossed that line. Now the Jordans parted. Now judgments at the door. And so they were to know that without fail, underline those words, the living God would drive them out. God had already promised them the land at the commission of Joshua in chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. Everywhere your soul treads, that's yours. Joshua told the people after occupying the land, as you get to the end of the book, chapter 21, 45, he says, Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel all came to pass. Then how do you explain they didn't occupy everything? Because they failed to occupy it. God had given it to them. They failed. They compromised. You as a parent want to do so much for your child. All the days of his life. But because of their attitude and because of their actions and their rebelliousness, they limit you. It has nothing to do with your not wanting to bless them. It has everything to do with their self-will. Hmm. I cannot blame God for my compromise. I cannot blame God for what I limit Him for. It's my fault. And so in verse 11, Joshua called the people to allow God to lead them through faith now. To allow God to lead them through faith. Look at verse 11. The ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. The presence of God was evident by the ark. 
God chose to dwell among his people this way. God had given the instructions to building the tabernacle, all the furnishings, the ark, and everything else, as you know, in Exodus. In fact, in Exodus 29, 8 and 45, it says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. This is the only thing they were to follow. The ark of the covenant. They were to allow God to lead them. The earth belongs to God, so the land of promise belonged really to them because they were the children of God and God was going to give it to them. He had promised already. The contrast is that of gods who are dead of the pagans, who were local gods, the gods of the valleys, the gods of the mountains. This is the God of all the earth. (laughs) Big contrast. Very important. Living, dead, local, universal. Which one you want? <laughs> Notice this would be the way they would know that the living God was among them. Remember that when the people saw the ark, they identified the presence of God with the people of God. And when they saw the people of God, they knew the God of the people was there. When Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, took the ark into the battlefield with the Philistines in 1 Samuel 4, 3 through 6, this was what the Philistines said. They heard the rumble and said, their God is in the camp. <laughs> this is the only way that they would know the living God among them, the ark. You see the ark, the presence of God was going before them into the Jordan. He would be with them in the dangerous times, the middle of the Jordan. Flood season. God had told Joshua he would not leave him or forsake him in chapter 1 verse 5. He tells you and myself the same thing. Now notice lastly here verse 12 and 13. Joshua called the people, listen, to believe God by faith. To believe God by faith. The people were to choose 12 men from each tribe to set up a memorial of faith regarding God's faithfulness to bring them across the Jordan When it happened, the individuals would each take up a rock on their shoulders as the priests were in the middle and they would go up the bank and set it on the west side of the Jordan. Chapter four, verse five. The memorial would be as a sign among them that when their children grew up and said, what the heck is this pile of stones for? Oh, good thing you asked. This is when God brought us across the wilderness after 40 years, and he parted the Jordan in flood season. And we walked across. So they could communicate their faith to their children. The responsibility of communicating our faith with our children is an awesome thing. Don't wait till they're 18 until you tell them how God provided for your rent when you didn't have it. You make sure that you're ministering to your children the things that God is doing as God does them. So they learn with history what God is about. Every time you take that opportunity to share what God has done in your life, how He's doing it, how you're depending upon Him, and how they need to. Very, very important. Do you have monuments in your life that mark your life, that your children know about, that you know about? Hmm. Chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. He makes that very clear when your children ask. And then look at verse 13. The people were given a detailed prophecy of how the Jordan would part. So he gives a little preview. 
The waters, verse 13, the first portion, would part the instant the priest bearing the ark stepped into the Jordan, a confirmation of what already the priest had been told in verse 8. And then the water would stand up on heaps on the north side, while the waters on the southward would simply cease by lack of water going down to the Dead Sea. He describes it very vividly, okay? He also reveals that that's exactly what happened in verse 16. So this is prophecy. Telling something before it happens, so when it happens, you know God has spoken. <laughs> so that's why Joshua called up people to believe God by what? By faith. To believe what God says is going to happen. That's biblical faith. A missionary translator was endeavoring to find a word for obedience in the native language uh, that he was attempting to reach. This was a, a virtue seldom practiced by these people. And he's attempting to translate the New Testament. And as he returned home from um, someplace he went to the village one day, um, he whistled for his dog. And his dog just ran full speed to, to greet him. And one of the old natives, seeing this, admiredly went up to him and said, Your dog is all here. Immediately, the missionary knew he had his word for obedience. God wants you to be all ear, not all mouth. <laughs> all ear, obedient. Jesus said in Isaiah, you have opened my ear unto me. It's the mark of a bond servant to pierce his ear, sold out, to hear the voice of God. If I'm going to be a man or woman of faith who obeys, I must know the word of God. So God can minister so you know what's in the Bible so the spirit of God can deal with you. And I want to make sure I'm sitting under a pastor so I'm listening, I'm hearing, I'm teaching, I'm teachable. Listen to Paul, Philippians 4, 9. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do and the God of peace will be with you. Wow, incredible words. If I am going to be a person who trusts God in faith to deliver me from the old sinful old man, the sin nature, then I must obey. By faith, we are to let God go before us to lead our life. Don't get ahead of him. Let him lead. If I'm going to be led and allow God to lead me, to go before me, then I must follow. Real simple. I must follow. My eyes must be fixed on him so as not to be distracted. My heart must be purified by him so that I don't disqualify myself. And my mind must be set on him so as not to deceive myself. Very important. Jesus said it simply like this. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Matthew 16, 24. The word deny means lose sight of yourself. The biggest problem in my life is I don't lose sight of myself. I'm always in the way. I have to remove myself. I have to lose sight of myself. Our whole generation caters to self. I'm so good. I'm so wild. I'm so happy. And I like myself, darn it. It's all, all this kind of junk. I am the problem. I am the obstacle. The Jordan is not the obstacle. I am the obstacle. Hmm. The walk of faith is characterized by dedicated obedience. It has nothing to do with feelings, emotions. 
just simply obedience. That's all. And so the walk of faith at the crossing of the Jordan is characterized by these three things. Diligent patience. Devoted leaders. And dedicated obedience. Get across Jordan. But it's got to be by faith. Pastor Xavier Reese speaks plainly about the journey of faith. And you can request a copy of today's moving message from the book of Joshua called Faith Alone Can Cross the Jordan, available on CD for just $4. And make sure you pass a copy along to someone who could use some encouragement right about now. The title to ask for once again is Faith Alone Can Cross the Jordan. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you contact us. Well, be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Xavier Reese brings us more encouragement as we continue through our studies from the book of Joshua. That's right here on Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com